everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. Many of you may not know who she is, but you definitely have read her articles and books and followed her on social media. Tatiana Flade has written for International Figure Skating Magazine, Golden Skate, the ISU, Pirouette Magazine, Ice Skating International, and the list goes on and on. Tatiana has a new project she's working on. She is trying to start a new English-German skating magazine. So we want to welcome Tatiana to This Week in Skating. Welcome! Hi, and thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to get to talk about this. There's a few um, a few things, I think, that when I was reading the Kickstarter, it just kind of, you know, it kind of solidified thoughts I'd already had about media in general, but specifically figure skating media and the fact that print media overall just seems to be disappearing. And when I first started... Um, icedance.com there were a few more magazines in north america and now with international figure skating ceasing to exist there's really only skating magazine which is published by u.s figure skating and focuses only on the u.s skaters that's that's really left and i think there there's a void yeah yeah i agree it's really uh there were many different magazines and right now i only know about well in germany we have pirate magazine that uh, has existed for 55 years uh and i would say this is probably the oldest existing skating magazine in the whole world and then there are some uh skating magazines obviously in japan uh also i've worked for some of them in the past so there are some still and they are doing well they because in japan is a big market and uh i found the people they also really like also print still uh plus uh, then i know of one magazine in russia um but that's about it so i don't know maybe in china but i don't know i haven't seen anything yeah i remember like blades and i got of course international figure skating magazine which unfortunately you know that ended this year um unexpectedly but yeah there's just i still get skating magazine too but there's just not i have a collection of magazines and it's getting smaller and smaller because there isn't as many being printed now yes and yeah. there was in canada they had one too spotlight on skating maybe you remember that yes. oh yes yep, yep yeah 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 so and all these uh, but at the same time, which is what I think is really funny, um, at the same time, when like we, Pirate magazine is a German magazine, but and it's published in German, but it covers international skaters a lot, not only German skaters. And um, so and we have international skaters on the cover, we have run interviews, feature articles. So when these skaters, when we give the magazine to these skaters, uh, they are really excited about it. And and even they want to have the print. And it's not like, okay, I could send them the PDF file with their interview, but 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 they are happy and excited about it. And also then they sometimes they buy extra magazines for their family, for their parents. <laughs> and because it is something special, it is something um yeah, rare these days. 
Yeah. I think there's still a love of being able to hold something in your hand, especially when you're an athlete. And I mean, of course, they can go online and read articles about themselves. There's something really special about being able to hold that magazine in your hand and thumb through it and find the article or the picture of yourself. And I I feel like we're losing it. And I, I don't want us to. I mean, I'm all for change and progression. But I think that we do. There are things from the past that we kind of need to hold on to. And I think there's something special about magazines and and print um it's like i said though i think it's kind of getting lost and going by the wayside so it's one of those things i think we have to kind of fight for to keep out there um yeah and and yeah and i mentioned too it's not just skating magazines it's print media in general that seems to be declining and it has been declining over the last probably 15 years so you know, of course, skating was going to be affected by this. Yeah, for sure. And but even as you said, that the, it's something special for the athletes or their families, but also for the fans. If they have a yes. nice, uh, if they have a story on their favorite skater and and have it with photos, and um, but um, then they they really they truly enjoy it. And when even when we had this Pirate magazine. We had uh, at Worlds in 2019 in Japan, we had our stall. We were selling magazines and people bought it. Japanese people bought the German magazine. They could not read it, but they bought it because maybe, yeah, because of <laughs> course, Hachi was on the cover. These issues were <laughs> sold out first, but, but even some others too. But, you know, um, and it still... People also, yes, you said in other other media, print media is declining, and it's because the online. Uh, it's hard for the print media to compete with online because everything is faster, and uh, yeah, it's like instant news, and it's so much, um, yeah, faster, and and often it's also free, which was a big mistake I feel from the beginning of the when the media became. Uh, when they were online media that they that people got used to everything is free but it's for the journalist who is writing the article for the photographer who is submitting providing the photos I mean it's still the same kind of work for them so it really mm -hmm. is and when you are reading that article something that I think people may forget when you're reading the article you're looking at the photos it's not just about that one article. The photographer has studied and practiced and worked to hone their craft. And the journalist, the very same thing. You have to have an understanding of the sport to really dig into the questions that you want to ask the athlete. And that takes time. It's not an instantaneous thing. And I think you're right. I think we as a society have become very instantaneous instant gratification focus i want to know now um social media i think has contributed to that because even the program information as soon as somebody sees a program that someone has skated to that information is instantaneously online social media has given athletes a opportunity to connect with their fans mm -hmm. in a way that they never had 
back when I first started watching skating. But I think when it comes to media, I think it's kind of been killing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, print media. Yeah, because you have to plan. You've been you've been a journalist for for quite a while. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask: When did you start watching skating? When did you decide I love skating? This is something I enjoy. Oh, oh, yeah. That was. I mean, I was uh, very young, and it was because my mother. Laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we always, when we were kids, I have two sisters, uh, two younger sisters. So when we we kind of we grew up with this, and uh, our mom always would watch any figure skating that was shown on, on TV, and we followed uh, and we watched and uh, we loved it too. So <laughs> that uh, that's how it all started. Same for me. It was yep. my mom. She loved it. Yep. It was on in the home. I fell in love with it. It wasn't till much later that I really, I think the internet got me into, oh my goodness, there are other fans I can talk to out there. <laughs> wow, it's not just me. So it was wonderful. Yeah. I wanted to ask too, do you have a journalism background? Like what made you decide that you wanted to go down this road of being a journalist for skating? When I was uh, still in school, I I decided I want to become a journalist because I always loved writing and uh, it was, I, yeah, I don't know. I was really drawn to this profession. And so I uh, started, I did first an internship and uh, and then I started working freelancing after I finished my studies. I first was freelancing at the local newspaper and then I started to work uh, for the German news agency, Deutsche Presseagentur, which is like the biggest uh, German news agency. And uh, so you have like two years of um, you work and study with them. And then I became a journalist, staff journalist for them. But I always was um, a kind of, uh, I still loved skating and I had started to write about skating at the same time already. I, um, because when I discovered, when you said you in the internet, you discovered there are the fans, I discovered there was a skating magazine that was <laughs> I was so excited. And then I I just sent them a, a letter uh, or I called, I don't know, I think I, I sent them a letter and I said, here, hi, I, I would like to, to write something for you. And yeah, so so it got started because uh, um, it was, but for me, it was a big help that I, I speak Russian. And uh, mm-hmm. and then at the, the Russian skaters, it was always uh, many Russian skaters uh, did not speak English or any other language. So um, it I was basically one of the few Western journalists who had access to them, but was able to talk to them, to interview them. So that's how I got into uh, Pirate magazine. And I was doing it um, at the, like at the side. And then I started also um, the, we had the Germany hold, held the European championship. And uh, I was part of the media team at this championship and uh, for interviewing and also for translating at the press conference. And uh, so that was 
and from there it kind of developed further that other organizers uh, there was the organ at these europeans there was the organizer of the next world championship and they uh, watched me and they invited me to work for them too and yeah so that's how it uh, and then um i was still with the news agency i for a while but then uh, i decided i quit and i focus fully on figure skating over well, on sports but uh, mostly figure skating that's pretty great to be yeah. able to take two of your passions something that you know journalism which is something you're you're so excited about and then figure skating and be able to you know marry them together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and be able to make a living and be able to just have joy in your work like interviewing skaters and telling their story it's pretty incredible to be able to do that. I remember I met you, oh my God, I'm not even going to say how many years ago, but <laughs> I know even before, I I know I started IDC, but I hadn't done anything with uh, competitions yet. Um, I was still going to events as a fan, but I remember meeting you when you were, you know, you'd been doing it for a little while. Um, and to see you now at competitions you were on the move the entire time. You're one minute you're mm-hmm. up on the at the press conference doing uh translating. The next minute you are in the mix zone getting quote I mean, it's crazy uh, the amount of work that you do. And I think that's something too that fans don't see is the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to be able to do everything. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it is. it's not. Yeah, it's not always glamorous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the work that goes on, and you have to wait. <laughs> wait. Yep. Yeah. You're waiting. You're here. You're there. there. You're trying to watch the event. Then at the same time that you're trying to talk to somebody, it's yeah, multitasking. Yeah, and sometimes you don't even get to watch the performance in person because. Yeah. You need to speak to a skater, so you're watching it on a monitor. So you have been doing, you've been working for Pirouette for a while, for how many years? Uh, well, I started, my first article I wrote for them was like in 92, I think. Yeah. So long. it's been it's a long bad. time. Yeah. yeah. So the reason we brought you on today, and we'll probably bring you back to talk about all your adventures, because I think you have a lot of stories to tell, probably. But I saw a post on on social media, and then you also reached out to me. Um, you've got this project going, and another friend of ours is involved, Robin Ratos, who's a photographer that has been covering competitions <laughs> She's been doing photography for 14 years. I know this because I was looking at IDC's history page because I need to do an update. And I had written in there, Robin doesn't write anymore because she's, <laughs> you know, taking pictures. I was I was with her when she said, oh, I just want to take a few pictures to go with my articles. That was like 2009. And then uh, she stopped writing after that because she was into the photography. I remember, yes. I remember her as a writer and she actually, and she always asked very good questions in press conferences. And then, but then she really uh, focused on photography. 
She did. Yeah, mm-hmm. she came to Lake Placid um because she wanted to learn and a lot of times people that are interested, I always tell them come to Lake Placid, I'll let you borrow a camera. You can practice and learn how to do photography. And uh she took me up on that and she came and that was the end of her writing career. <laughs> Very much is what happened to me. I used to write some articles and then I started shooting and that was it. Now it's, no, I love telling the story in the picture. It's just a different way of telling a story. It's a different way, yeah. But it's, it's cool. But Robin's also involved in this and, and a number of others. Tell us um, what the Kickstarter is about. Yeah, so this idea is um, to, because we feel um that a magazine is still something that still many people will enjoy have a magazine but at the same time yeah as we already said it's so hard to compete with the online media and so my idea is you can do it but it has to be really something special it has to you have to change the approach um you Mm -hmm. could not uh, focus everything that is online that's easily available is not going to be much of use in the magazine anymore because yeah people have find it everywhere competition results competition reports and and all that kind of stuff new programs whatever so the um, idea is to create something really special different to have a magazine that comes out only once or twice a year but then it's really thick and has cool photos not also not like the usual stuff you see everywhere also office photos like photo shooting with people i've done a few of those and that's really yeah um something different and plus uh uh, interviews or feature stories that are really in depth and cover a lot of things and that are timeless so something you are enjoying you can read you can read it today, but even in a few months, it still will be, uh, well, all the online stuff is long, is long forgotten, but then you still can enjoy reading this article about uh, this. Uh, and it's about the, the people, it's about their story um, and not so much about only the champion. So if, if somebody has an interesting story and I'm going to reveal a, a few, uh, um, yeah, whom we are planning to have in the, in this inaugural issue so um so one big and this is especially i guess interesting for you from isense.com because we will do something we have something with um charlene guignan macro fabri the italian Ooh, yeah great because they are uh i mean they are amazing people that's one thing but the other thing is also they have um the articles about their journey because they have a long career and so they talk about their career and we learn also about their passion and their love for skating and for each other so it's there because they're also a couple of the eyes so it's a lot and um it's this kind of stuff we want to to do for example with them and we also have um we have uh, an interview with stefan lambiel and uh about uh, his uh, coaching philosophy and about uh, also some, he talks a little bit also about his person, personality, so, um, and his approach. So um, 
that's also, I think, something that's not everywhere you can find everywhere this kind of stuff. And we have great photos of Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that Judith, I think Judith was there recently, right? Yeah, we went together. Judith went there and we met there and we I went there specifically. So we did the interview together with Stefan and we did the photos Um um, because I also, because you talked about photography, I also like more and more photography and I upgraded <laughs> my equipment. So <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun, but someone needs to write. Yes. yes. I, will, I yes. will keep writing. Don't worry. I, I will keep writing photography. It's nice. I enjoy it. Uh, but it, um, writing will remain my priority. So, and, um, yeah, and then another ice dance couple we are planning to feature is uh, Kana Muramoto and Daisuke Takahashi because oh, they also have a yes. great story. Uh, they do. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's about yeah, it's about these skaters that have great stories to tell. Um, and and another one is uh, Diana Stellato Dudek and Maxime oh. Deschamps pairs. So. Yep. We try to we cover all different. Uh, we try to cover all dif- disciplines too. So, uh, and I think we have really good material. Yeah, I think those are you know the skaters you mentioned, Tatiana, are like perfect for a magazine because they've got these great stories. And when I get my skating magazine. I mean, other than the cover story, everything else in that magazine is already stuff I already know or I've already read. It's a recap of something and I'm easily taking it and going and giving it to my mom and saying, "Okay, you read it. I'll look at it when I'm done when you're done. Um, But these sound like there would just be these longer stories. Yes. Yeah. With great photos. It's just. Yeah. 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 That's exactly the idea to have not to do all this stuff that um people ever uh, already know and that makes the, the but uh just to have really deep articles and stories and timeless stories too yeah yeah i think it's important to tell mm-hmm. all the stories and the people that you mention they place all different placements at the competition they're not all like they're not world champions we're talking about all different placements and i think it's important to focus on that too because not everyone wins like Mm -hmm. you know i think it's important that's one of the philosophies gina and i have at this podcast is we're gonna tell the story we're gonna find the story let people tell their story it doesn't matter we're interested in hearing it and other people will be too and you really selected quite a group to start and to be working on this and i'm excited i in fact i just pledged um thank you (laughs) and i don't do that very often but i think this is one of those times that um it's something that's easy to get behind and it's very easy to do on kickstarter they make it so simple it's like anything else that you would do um but i think that you've picked a great cross-section of athletes to include in the first issue now will you will this uh, magazine are you going to focus on any of the competitions or is it mostly going to be like a yearbook where you've 
collected and cultivated all of these interviews and put them all together and then present them in the magazine. Yeah, it's a uh, so we won't um, focus on competitions at all. Uh, I think this is just not. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, this would be not the right direction for this kind of magazine. Um, and it's planned to to come out uh, in end of September or hopefully uh, or early October. Uh, so right at the season start, the senior season start. And um, and yeah, so people can read about these people that then they will see during the season in one or the other capacity. About mm -hmm. the competition coverage or re uh, or results, uh, this I think is better done online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it goes back to that instantaneous. Everyone wants yes. that instant results, and we've gotten spoiled because you can go and follow the results, even if you can't see a video stream. Mm -hmm. It refreshes and you get to see the placement that everyone is in. And when it's over, yep. you can go and do the protocols. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. We've, sh yeah, we're shifting a little bit at IDC away from, well, this was a level this and this was mm -hmm. a level this to more the stories behind the competition, like mm -hmm. the athlete stories. And also saying why Team A may have beaten Team B because of X points on X element, pointing out things that people may not easily understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a different approach, but I think it's one that is necessary because everyone has access to the same things online. Mm -hmm. So got to be creative and be a little bit different. Right. And we as journalists, uh, I think it's because it's also to explain things to people or um to um bring across uh, some background that people might not have if you only see just the the result uh, that's only mm -hmm. part of the story and mm -hmm. uh, yeah and so we as journalists have the yeah the the opportunity but also it's kind of our duty to bring across more than just the mere result that people can find everywhere yeah, I think so, too. I mean, they may not know that a team or a skater missed half a season because of a reason. And then you get to see or read about how uplifting it was that they were even at an event in the first yeah. place because they missed so much training time. Right. And that's not always out there for people to be able to easily read unless someone does an article. But yet... Internet articles and what you see online, I feel like we are focused on a much shorter, it's, you know, a certain number of scrolls and that's it. Whereas in this magazine, it sounds like you'll be able to tell the whole story and it, it won't be such an issue. You can really dive into it and make it a longer feature. Right. Yeah. Which That's the plan. Yeah. yeah. To have really and plus have uh, and have cool photos going along with it. So for the for Shaolin and Marco, um, I asked Robin to to give me photos from throughout their career. So mm -hmm. have, because they talk about their program, their favorite programs and and uh, the turning point in their career, which program that was and why. And and so we we have obviously we can use all these photos and 
to illustrate their journey. And then we have some other uh, other photos too for for this one. And for another one, like for Stéphane Lambiel, um, this will focus, uh, the photos um, will focus on him now. So it's uh, not about his competition career. So I really want to have um, interesting photos and beautiful photos and also some photos that are a little out of the box not like the standard mm -hmm. stuff that you see also everywhere and, yeah uh, i think yeah this is, will be a great opportunity for you to do that to experiment a little bit with things that are not necessarily the norm or so easily accessible right because if you make it special and it's not something that you can just find online that's going to make people more interested because they're not going to want to miss out yeah that's the idea to make it really special i because i believe that print can be special and that uh, mm -hmm. people will enjoy it if it's something different and not what they already know mm -hmm. how much time is it taking you to kind of come up with this idea and then to like Put together the first issue it's not something like you're just came up with it and you you know right away you've been thinking about this for a while now right yes um i've been uh, thinking about it for a while and actually it was almost a year ago that i talked to uh he's a judge in germany um and he um has a he made a magazine for photography but for okay. not for digital photography, but for analog. Um, oh, okay. So okay. very specialized. So and he he told me about his magazine and uh, and how they did it. And he did it. He did a Kickstarter with this magazine, and um, and he really found many many people that were loved his idea, loved this to have this special magazine dedicated to analog photography. And uh, it's really like artsy. <laughs> he showed me the magazine. <laughs> and and that and he said, well, because with figure skating you can make so you can have so great photos. Because he is also a photographer himself. He likes to do uh, obviously. So um and uh that's yeah, and the, we had this discussion at Nebelhorn Trophy last year. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nebelhorn Trophy last year. Um, and then I thought, oh, this is think I think this is going into the right direction, and we could do something like that. And uh, so, yeah, it was thanks to to him, to this judge, uh, I, yeah, Mr. Waldek. His name is Andreas Waldek, and. Uh, that uh, this idea started to mature and uh, <laughs> and yeah and uh, because then obviously there are many things um, going on uh, during the season and then during even during the off season very busy so but I kept uh, step by step I kept developing and the plan and uh, the getting the people together uh, for this project so. Um, and now, yeah, now it was uh, the, already, it's um, in the making. 
there's no off season in skating. I've learned. So see, yeah. you went from once it yeah. was the season was over, you were working on this project. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, it, it's true. There's uh, all, there's no off season anymore. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it used to be like this, but I mean, even then, Pirate Magazine was coming out in the uh, comes out ten times a year. So and there's in the summer months there's like uh, the uh, there's May and June and July, August. So it's a two month, four months, only two issues. But uh, even that, there's never, never a problem to fill all, to fill the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, no, I think there's the competitive season and the non-competitive yeah. season. But even the non-competitive season is very short yeah. because different levels of skaters like the juniors, are starting earlier and so really i think we might get a month where there isn't a competition yeah. there's always something um yeah i think april and may were the times when i think about redoing idc or making major changes that is the time of year that i usually do it just because it's less intrusive than all of the other times yeah. Even though sometimes I get the idea, like in December, it's like, oh, I really want to do this, but I'm not crazy and I'm not going to try to do it now because it's not going to work with all the nationals and Europeans and yeah. it just doesn't work. Let's go with something not going when on. you're trying to keep up. Yeah. It's hard to keep up with sometimes, I think. So you've been cultivating this idea for, for over the last year. What made you decide, okay, we're definitely going to do it? Um, because I believe that this uh, is, um, well, first of all, because I, um, want to keep Pirate Magazine alive and, uh, do something for the, for the print media for this side, um, for, and also because I think it is going to work that there will be enough people interested in it. Um, also because uh, yeah, I believe that everybody who 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 works, uh, who does um, write article or do layout or do photographs, should also be paid um, for their work. Yeah. And yeah, so all these things came together, and it's kind of I really think it's worth trying it. So I really and I'm not shying away from any challenge or. Uh, and yeah, we put up the Kickstarter because um, I thought, okay, so um, it, this also shows me if there's interest, if people are ready to support this, if people want to uh, uh, interest in the magazine in this kind of magazine and want to buy it. Um, so that gives already an idea. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, but uh, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, it has future. I think, yeah, it has a future, and I really want to try it. Yeah, and I want to mention that one of the items is actually you pledge a certain amount of money, and you get the first issue. Yes, yes. If this, uh, if the people can, yeah, that's one. Uh, um, there are some other rewards, but uh, this is kind of the key award uh, that uh, people can pledge uh, that amount and then they will get the magazine. Yeah, this is the reward. So, 
So you're actually investing in something, but you actually will get something tangible at the end. Yes. And I think yeah. offering and, that is very smart. And you know, um, I, yeah, I mean, you know, probably, but maybe not everybody who's listening to this podcast knows how, how that Kickstarter works. Because um, if you have, uh, so there's, uh, we put the amount, we put 5,555 euros because Pirate Magazine is 55 years old. So it's, oh, yes. I was wondering, <laughs> okay, what the number Yes, was. that was my idea for the number, to have this fun number. Um, and um, yeah, but if that amount... If we don't reach that amount by August 31st, uh, when our Kickstarter uh, ends, um, then nobody uh, has, we don't get anything and nobody who has pledged will have to pay. They will, they they won't uh, charge your credit card or uh, your account. So then it's a, yeah, no risk. I mean, it's not like you that somebody pledges um, the amount for the um, period for the magazine for the period world edition. That's the name. Um, but if then this whole thing doesn't happen, they don't have to pay anything. Uh, there won't be any magazine, for, but and they don't have to pay either. So. It's no risk. It's not like somebody pledges and then in the end, it's, oh, sorry, there's no magazine. That won't happen. Now, if you don't, which we hope you do, make your goal there. If you don't, are you still going on with plans for the magazine? Then I will try to find another way, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully you will get your goal. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, it is, of course... Um, uh, much easier if if we have that um, Kickstarter behind us. Yes, and we will definitely yeah. keep plugging in and sharing it. And we will. So hopefully by the end of the month, you will hit that goal. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You've already, I was looking at it now. So um, as of right now, you have reached, and this is in dollars, um, $1,574 pledged of a $6,099 goal. Which I believe the six thousand ninety nine <laughs> translates to five thousand five hundred euros. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> so far, you have thirty nine backers. There's twenty one days to go. Um, yeah, one of the things we talked about earlier first, um, Gina and I like to. Sometimes there are stories that are time sensitive. So that's why we reached out right away to get you on here to talk about it because maybe our listeners can positively impact the result of your Kickstarter. Well, I think actually it was, uh, the start was, uh, was quite good for the Kickstarter for this project. So uh, yeah. I'm actually happy with what we have now. And uh, I'm also very positive that uh, we can get it together. Yeah. It's only been about a week or 10 days at the recording of this and you've already achieved 25% yeah. Yeah. of what you're looking for. Right. And so I think some of it needs to be amplified. We just need to get it out there. So everyone knows and share it on social media and get it out there so that people know that this is going on. Because I know there are a lot of older fans that would probably love this as well, because it, 
reminds them of how it used to be. We didn't have <laughs> good old times. <laughs> the good old days. Um because skating has changed so much over the last 25 years that I've been involved. One thing that you mentioned is talking about being able to pay the people that are involved in putting this magazine together. And earlier we talked about how it was a mistake maybe to offer things on the internet for free because, you know, it's this instantaneous Mm -hmm. gratification. I wanted to point out a lot of people like Gina and I and others that run websites, we don't get paid. We do it as a labor of love. And at some point, we're going to burn out (laughs) of that, I think. Um, But we don't get paid. And it's really difficult after offering things for free for such a long time to be able to charge anything. Or even creating a Patreon can be a challenge because people, well, I don't want to pay for that. I like listening to it or I like looking at it, but I don't want to pay anything. It's really... It's hard. I think part of it is people don't realize that we're doing it for free. I think think, there are some people. Yeah. yeah. And they might not realize, not everybody might realize that it's really a lot of work. That this are, the photos are not uh, taking themselves and they are not doing themselves and the articles are not writing themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. And to travel to a competition, it's, uh, that costs money and then the, the time you spent there, uh, the time you work um, on the article, on the photos, all this is, uh, but um, I, I think um, also in US and Europe too, many publications, they have started uh, that some content on their websites is for free, but the other contents people have to subscribe or have to pay. Mm-hmm. So that's in the yeah. past few years uh, that has grown. Because, um, yeah, in the beginning, it was everybody wanted to be online and everybody uh, was important for all these mm-hmm. uh, newspapers and magazines to to be uh, online and provide the content online, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. um, eventually it backfired. Yeah. It d- yeah. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's difficult because even... You think, well, it's on the internet, so it's free. It's not. Yes. It is not no. free. There, there are hosting costs. There's costs for software to be able to edit photos. There's software that platforms that you need to pay for to be able to publish on mm-hmm. the internet. There's, I mean, just little, like I have access to a Dropbox and that costs a certain amount of money right. every month. And I need that to be able to get photos from my volunteer photographers <laughs> right. that are around the world. I would love to be able to pay them something. Oh, yeah. totally. um, but Gina and I have also talked about, we both have regular full-time jobs in addition to doing this podcast, running websites. I mean, there's just, there's only so much time in the day. Um, I would love to be able to do IDC full time. I don't ever see that happening. Mm-hmm. I do the best that I can. I never considered it till we really started talking about it today mm-hmm. that coming out and being free right from the beginning is we kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, with that. all media. I mean, 
and this is not uh, we are like small media but they are all the big media um like new york times or uh, and in Germany, yeah speedy magazine or whatever it's for everybody it's the same yeah yeah they're able to now though i've noted like you said i've noticed people are putting things up behind a paywall yeah like you can see mm-hmm. a, a number of articles for free mm-hmm. and then you need to pay x yep and it's hard to do that after you've been free the whole time because yeah. people have to right. d- dig into their pockets for it. But I think if you create a product that is respected and appreciated, yep. a couple of dollars here and there is not is not too much of an investment. And I should also point out that you can back this Kickstarter with any amount of money. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to... Like, I picked, for instance, the one that comes with the issue because I thought, I this is something I want <laughs> because it's the first issue. <laughs> yes. I think it would be cool. But you can pledge whatever amount of money that you want. I mean, $5, $15, it's, it's all up to you. You offer some pretty cool things, though. There's a copy of a book that was written by... Hmm, someone that I think we have on this podcast right now. Um, yeah, we have the German version and the English version. The English version is an ebook. Yeah. Have you released the ebook it, in English? Yes, it was. You know, it was a project with Susan Russell. Oh, and okay. We had this, um, but not for. Um, yeah, but uh, then uh, we she took it down from the um, ebook junkie um so but um i i i know i have the rights for this book so um yeah but i want to put it up again um but i decided uh well now it can help us with the kickstarter so yep. <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> so I, use what you have use right. what you have in your back pocket and yeah yeah because i thought it was still just only um in german because it's one that i've wanted to read yeah and i don't read or speak german <laughs> so i can't yeah you offer two different books it looks like yeah and also dinner there's also you can pledge and dinner, dinner. <laughs> oh yeah but the dinner i mean there were two dinners and there's only one left <gasps> i know <laughs> someone's already having dinner with you <laughs> well it says we invite you one person to dinner with judith or tatiana i'm thinking what an adventure to have dinner with Robin. <laughs> Tina and I have experienced this for free, and it's quite an entertaining prospect. Um, she, she, yeah, I just, I just saw her last week. We were in Lake yeah. Placid together. You're offering a number of cool rewards, rewards that I yes. hope will really instigate people into joining in, no matter what the level is, even if it's a dollar. Right. All it's going to take is you know, what? $4,500 is what's left. We need 4,500 skating fans to step forward with a dollar. Yep. <laughs> I hope that there is still 4,500 skating fans in the world. Out there. I, I, have, uh, I have somebody who, um, uh, who doesn't uh, want to use their credit card uh, or doesn't have a credit card, I'm not sure. So, um, and has a like uh, problem and 
doesn't know how to handle this but then i say okay you can um you can also join a different way and then we will put it on the kickstarter ourselves mm -hmm. sometimes that happens mm -hmm. with gofundme i know that there's a skating team that has a gofundme and they get money from an outside source and i know the dad adds it into yeah to go fund me so that it's reflected exactly there. yeah that's also what we need to do because uh um yeah um so and then we and then we can we can make that happen so if there's somebody has a problem with this how do you think figure skating has changed since you got started covering the sport um it did obviously change a lot it became uh, uh one major change was for sure the change of the in the judging system when the icu judging system was introduced and uh, so there are some positive and some um uh, maybe less positive developments um that people complain about that the sport is not an art anymore but i don't quite agree i do think it uh, some things uh um is um maybe difficult but uh, we still see great programs and uh, and uh, people come up with great things even within the uh, that there's less freedom and uh, this and um, with the levels and you need to make sure you get your level and the uh, all these regulations that have been yeah and sometimes if you have too many regulations you, you don't see anything clearly anymore uh, there's a saying in german uh, uh, if uh, you don't see the forest because of the trees mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know what's the english yeah. equivalent is. we have uh i think it's you don't see the forest for the trees yeah so it's, oh, or something yeah. like yeah. that yeah, yeah so it's very similar yeah, it's the same yeah yeah um and so that sometimes is if there are all these rules and kind of the whole picture gets lost. This, this is interesting. Uh, this is actually something Stefan talks about in 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 his interview, um, and uh, I think he's right in this uh, aspect. So that yeah was a major thing. It uh, and it became much more uh, let's say professional, but that's also something that for goes for all sports i believe that mm -hmm. um everything has become much more professional uh, from the events uh, to the skaters uh, themselves <laughs> uh, so everything yeah around it well we always ask these fun questions to the athletes but we're going to change your fun questions um and we've got two like fun ones here for you um You've been to so many events. What is your favorite event that you've covered? Oh, that is a very difficult question. Um, there are so many events that were very exciting and interesting. So maybe, maybe first Olympic Games. Because, uh, yeah, Olympic Games is always not, it's the big dream of all athletes to go to the Olympic Games, but it's also a big dream for any journalist to, to be at the mm -hmm. Olympic Games, yes. to cover the, them or also to be, um, or even a judge, yeah, a judge also. So it's a, it's a really big highlight. So maybe I would say the first Olympic Games, which was 2002 Salt Lake City. 
Oh, okay. And you've been to every Olympics since? Yes, Winter Olympics, yes. I've also done uh, uh, a few Summer Olympics games, covering other sports, obviously. But uh, yeah, but I've done uh, since Salt Lake, I've been at all Olympic uh, Winter Games. And I'm guessing the last Olympics was a much different experience than the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City. Oh, well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was sad. It was Danielle and Robin and Melanie, which it was Melanie's first one, told us and shared with us different stories about the experience and the fact that it was so different from the 2018. Outside of skating, you went to Summer Olympics. What sports did you cover there that you enjoyed the most? Um, well, uh, that's actually an easy question because um, my other sport that I like and that I actively practice uh, myself um, is Taekwondo. That's what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. Yes. So, yeah. So, obviously, Taekwondo is uh, at the Summer Olympics, the sports I enjoy the most. And what would you say is your most memorable interview or favorite interview that you've done? I know it's hard. I feel like even when you ask a photographer, well, what is your favorite photo you've ever taken? I could never just give one. There's so many. Uh, but if you have a few, like what do you have a couple of interviews that stand out? Um, well, I would say that's always those interviews that are really going um, when you make establish a connection with the person you interview and you really get to know them and really um, have. A, and then the, that the interview becomes also that you talk about not only it's not only skating things but also other things and you really get to know the person the personality behind mm-hmm. and they let their guard down mm-hmm. they let their wall down and they yes. they can actually be free and real yes yeah yeah so uh, and there were a few of those that uh, um i would say yeah fall into this category well, those were the fun questions we gave to you. Uh, normally yes. when we give, the, you know, when we do it with athletes, we throw in questions like, what's your most used emoji? Uh, who would <laughs> yeah. star as them in a movie? But we... we and we what TV show are you currently binging? binging like, yes. just... Oh, I don't even have a TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, you know what? I stream a lot of stuff on my computer. I don't even watch everything on TV anymore. It's, it's hard to just take that time and set it aside for that. So a lot of times I'll stream something on the computer while I'm doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's is right. Uh, it's also, we talked about the print media, but the TV also has, uh, some issues <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they have their own have their unique own set issues, of challenges yeah, that yes. uh, people are uh, streaming uh, because yeah, watch on demand because you want to see uh, you want to watch something when you have time and not when it's just broadcasted at such and such time 
unless it's a competition, of course, but then, uh, <laughs> but other things that are, um, so yeah, uh, that's why I think many people don't use a TV anymore. Yeah. When I was, especially, I have, it's a long time actually that I don't have a TV ever since I went to study in Paris, but, um, and then I realized I didn't have a working TV in my room there. And then I realized I don't need it, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, um, and, and then it was still rare. But now I know many people that don't have a TV or don't watch TV anymore. Yeah, I think we're very much an online society now. We will share the Kickstarter link in our show notes. We will also be mentioning it on future episodes this week in skating right up until the close of the kickstarter which is august 31st um tatiana where can folks get in touch with mm -hmm. you if they have questions or are interested maybe in contributing in a different way other than having to use a credit card yeah so um I think there's a way to contact uh, us through Kickstarter. Yeah, there's a way to send a message through Kickstarter. Um, if not, people can go and contact me through my website, Tatiana Lade, just together, dot de. So, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank Tatiana for joining us on this episode and sharing more about the Kickstarter for Pirouette World Edition. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? You can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com on social media, Twitter, or whatever you're calling it, X. <laughs> at... <laughs> I have to laugh at that all the time. I don't know what to call it anymore, but... You can find us on that platform at this WK in On the platform formerly known as Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, it's This Week in Skating. We're also on threads, still remembering to post there, so make sure you check us out there. And we love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. We appreciate all the feedback we've received on the podcast. Keep it up. We are gearing up for our second full season of competitions that are coming up. So things are starting to amp up, especially with the JDP coming up. Senior internationals are coming up before you know it. It'll be the Grand Prix series. Ah! It's crazy. <laughs> oh, well, yes. <laughs> but we've reached the end of our episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a nice week. <laughs>